Have you ever thought about your nativity scene in your yard? Have you ever thought, is this biblically accurate? Why wouldn't it be? Find out today here on Table Talk on the Covenant Podcast. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever it is uh, when you're listening to this, thanks to the beauties of modern technology. My name is Nick Shepard, student minister here at Covenant UMC. Got Sean Shirley here in the studio with us, my partner in crime today. Hello, Sean. Hello, hello. We are here today to talk about nativity scenes, wise men, foolish people, all kinds of fun stuff. So, Sean. Yes. Your favorite nativity scene you've ever seen go oh it'd be one of those little blow mold things the what you know the little blow mold plastic okay you know what i'm talking about you put a light in the middle sure yeah Yeah. i like the inflatable ones they're not that common um there's a church up by where lauren and i live that has the drive-through nativity scenes Mm -hmm. which is just like a random guy and a lady just holding a baby i guess i don't know i guess they get cold but nativity scenes are fascinating um for a lot of reasons but what's there normally? What's in the nativity scene mostly? You've got baby Jesus. You've got Joseph. you got Mary. What else have you seen? Shepherds. Shepherds and? Sheep. Got sheep. Sometimes there's an angel hanging out on top. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Um, sometimes they add the little drummer boy, <laughs> which is wild to me because um, I missed that in the book of Matthew. But that's fine, though. What else we got? Last thing. Big piece. Big piece. Got the wise men. How many? Three. Usually three. So we're going to talk about the nativity scene today, um, kind of go over the timeline of the Christmas story, um, because I think something that we get conflated in our head sometimes is Christmas evening, you've got baby Jesus in a manger, and all of these characters are there just staring down at him for like hours on end, because that's just what you do with newborns, apparently. I mean, I've seen people who are just like, oh, there's a baby. I'm just going to stare at that baby. But if you look at the timeline, it actually is much less compressed than that, um, mainly because the wise men aren't there when Jesus is born, right? right. We figured out, we said, what, it was, a, what, how long until they actually showed up? Do we, do we, we figure this out? Matthew 2 tells us. I can find it. It's almost like two years. Yeah, it's right? like two years. Um, and here's how we knew, here's how we know that. So you've got Matthew and Luke both telling this story. Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke tells us about how the night of, you've got the choir of angels who show up to the shepherds in the field and they say, Hey, go find this kid tonight. They show up, they talk to Mary. It's great. And then when you go to Matthew, you hear the story about these wise men and how they saw the same star that led the shepherds to the manger, right? And at that point, they started moving to go meet Jesus. Um, They meet this guy named Herod. It's a wild story about how Herod's like, well, listen, these people are saying that this new king's going to be born over here. I can't have that because I want to stay in power. He winds up saying every boy that is under two years old kill them all which to me indicates oh hey by that point jesus could have been two years old right right so i'm not saying here i'm not sitting here saying oh your nativity scene is wrong take it as representative 
but that's just one of those things with Christmas that we get caught on sometimes is, oh, like the nativity scene is what actually happened, but we aren't actually engaging with the text. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let's let's spend some more time talking today about the wise men. What's your, what's your read on these wise guys? What's your your opinion? My opinion on the wise guys. Uh, well, they were they were definitely adventurous. Mm-hmm. Um, and after traveling such a long distance. You know, I, f- I find it I find it interesting that it, that they, you know, as wise as they are, they I, maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't think they really caught on to uh, to Herod. Yeah, they don't they don't understand. They didn't they didn't to. they didn't catch on with that and had to be instructed through a dream to go back a different way because yeah. this is this is what he's going to this is what he's going to do. I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah, because a wise man is not descriptive of them it's Correct. a position Correct. right so Sean and I did some pre-air pre you know pre-recording reading um wise men were something that you see rulers in that time just had on hand it was a kind of like an advisor role um if you read the book of Daniel yeah. where Daniel's in the court of king Nebuchadnezzar he's got wise men who were there trying to tell him what's up and Daniel's the only one who can proving that they're full of trash like they're they're not it but this is a thing where like oh these are emissaries representatives of a foreign power who are coming to visit the newborn king Mm -hmm. and this is really common if you understand who jesus is it's like oh this is a new king yeah the other nations are going to say we understand who that is go send somebody go bring him gifts and right and do that um so let's discuss for a minute what do we actually know about these wise men What do we actually know? Because we talked about there's three in your nativity scene normally. Mm -hmm. And that that comes from people saying, oh, there's three gifts. We get those in a second. Uh, Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the assumption becomes that there were three wise men. Right. Right. Do we know that for a fact? I I don't think we do. I think you said something earlier about how one of the Eastern traditions says it's 12. Correct. That's right. Mm-hmm. I, I would assume that's like Eastern Orthodox or something. and But that's all church tradition. It could be like 37 wise men for all we know. Right. But it boils down to this, that the Bible gives us the info that we should care about, mm-hmm. which is these people showed up to recognize Jesus as royalty and to treat him accordingly. Right. Right. Which is wild because you show up. Imagine you're Herod and these guys walk in saying, hey, your successor just got born in this little backwater down the street. You want right. to come with us? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, Nick, one of the one of the great things that I love about this story is that you would, you know, clearly these wise men or they are very well adapted and their norm is probably a lot of pomp and circumstance yes with just their daily surroundings and their daily environment and one of the things that i love about this uh this mystery i guess you could say all the mystery that surrounds uh the wise men is the fact that they came 
And they did exactly what they came to do. They came to present their gift, bow before the newborn king, and then they were gone. Get out. And then they left. Get the yeah. heck out. And man. they they carried on, you know, with uh, the rest of their lives. They did. They demanded, you know, right there in the house, drop to a, you know, a bowing posture and present the gifts and then go. And I, I think that's a, that's really beautiful that there was yeah. not, you know, these days you would imagine something like that happened. There would be a huge reception. There would be, mm-hmm. you know, a festival, you know, to celebrate this occasion because you know these guys have been traveling mm-hmm. and it's a big for deal that they've come here yeah for two years for two years right? yeah yeah and now they got to figure out a way to go back i mean <laughs> <laughs> you're there for a night you yeah. drop off the gifts and then you wheel around like all right hop on that camel That's we're right. going back guys yep it's wild to me i don't know why that took two years i don't have a good understanding of eastern near eastern geography and how you know, like how, how long it took to get places on camel. I don't get that, but um, that's a lot of time. And I would argue you only spend that much time on something if it's important. Right. You know what I'm saying? So usually wise men like this came from Persia, right? Or that least that territory. I don't think they were doing this for every single new kid that a ruler had everywhere. They understood there was something special about this, right? which we should too. I mean, I think that's what, Matthew's trying to point out is Jesus is different and special than anything else anybody else has to offer. Um, and that, and that leads to a fun conversation about why does Matthew give us the story? Cause it's the truth. We believe God's word is the truth, but Luke doesn't. Yeah. Right. Well, now we'll hold it. Let's pause. You could forgive from somebody for saying, well, why does Luke say this and Matthew say this? Doesn't that mean they're disagreeing? I don't think they're disagreeing at all. I think they're just telling their stories differently. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that to be more clear. They're telling the same stories with different emphasis. Emphases? Emphases. They're emphasizing different things. Emphasis. I'm sorry. Yes. But I don't know. Like, So we had a Christmas party recently here at, you know, at Kyle's house. If I'm telling the story of how the night went, I could spend all night talking about the food, mm-hmm. how great the food was, right? Well, you may focus more on, hey, I sat on the couch. I talked to Logan. I talked to Laura Grace and had such a great time. The same thing. We're describing the same thing from different perspectives sure. with different with the different thing we're emphasizing each time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to fall into that word trap again. And I think that's what's happening here because you got to understand something about how Bible books are written is every work, the gospel of Matthew is written with a purpose. I'm not telling you something you don't know. I'm, you know, just telling our viewers, listeners, listeners, Luke tells the gospel in a very specific way to make a certain point. Well, Matthew from Matthew one to Matthew 28 is all about Jesus is the king. He's the king. He's the successor of David. And you can read, a, you know, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, where everybody says he teaches with such authority. Um, the stories that follow where he's healing the centurion servant, he, everybody's like, oh, you have the authority to do this. And then Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. So go make disciples. Right. 
the whole thing Matthew is doing is saying, here's your king. So yeah, the wise men showed up. Matthew's going to mention that because it contributes to that king narrative. Right. While Luke is more focused in general on how Jesus cares for people who are outcasts. Yeah. And what do we know about Luke? Uh, Gentile, right? Doctor? Yeah. yeah. So if you, th- if you really want to bear down on that, that makes perfect sense as to what, you know, shapes their senses, what, uh, you know, what a, a guy who is, you know, committed his life to helping others, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you would imagine that's kind of how you would see things play out through the lens of his eyes is you would see him focusing on those relational aspects of of Jesus and reaching out and absolutely and you know and helping. And which then makes it clear the question of oh, is Mark wrong for not mentioning any of this? Because you open the book of Mark, Jesus is preaching on that same page. Right. He's not wrong for that. He's telling I'm sorry, I have to be clear with my language here. He's not telling a different story. He's making a different point about what actually happened. It's all the truth. It's not a plurality of truth where I'm used to use some of our cultural language. Matthew's truth is Matthew's truth. And what Matthew says, what happened is true to him. But no, it's all just true. Right. And then that means John's not wrong for starting the gospel of John by describing who Jesus is and then diving into his ministry. Right. It's all what happened. It's just if I'm sitting in that corner of the room, my perspective on the room is going to be different. Matthew's a Jew. He's a Jewish person. He was somebody who was outcast from Jewish society as a tax collector who then got invited back in by Jesus. Yeah, he's going to care about Jesus's Jewishness. So I just that was one of the questions I had growing up was, hey, why are these stories seem so different? Why is Matthew not talking about angels appearing to shepherds in a field? He may not have known about it. I don't have that info to make that claim. Matthew doesn't say, oh, I never heard of that. But it's just not important for the story he's trying to tell. Because mm-hmm. they're not sitting in a room being like, all right, it's not like a potluck where it's like, I'm going to cover dinner and I'm going to cover dessert. Yeah. They're kind of writing separately where Matthew's like, I am seeing an issue that I'm going to address by writing my account of the gospel and sending that to people. And they're doing that separately for different purposes, for different people, different reasons. So I don't know. I just it, It's one of those things that I don't want people to get discouraged because they feel like their Bible disagrees with itself. Right. That's not it. That's not what it is at all. It's not the point. So all this to say, you're not a heretic if you have wise men in your nativity scene. And even more than the nativity scene containing the wise men, I get more annoyed when we just engage with Christmas on that surface level where it's, it's about nativity scenes. Yeah. Or it's about I'm exchanging gifts, Right. When it all points back to something, it's the starting line of a bigger story. Mm -hmm. I said earlier, hey, we're going to get to the gifts. Let's spend a minute talking about the gifts that the wise men brought. Not brang, brought gold, frankincense, myrrh. We drove a little bit into what the gold could mean, where it has some divinity stuff tied to it. Uh, But you had some stuff to share about the frankincense and myrrh, some stuff we found for the podcast. I'd, I'd love to hear you know, kind of what you're bringing on that. The frankincense. I am 
having trouble remembering about the frankincense. Start with the myrrh thing then. Well, the myrrh, I, I do know, is was at the time used as part of burial ritual in the Jewish culture. It was used actually as um, an embalming fluid. So you can kind of see how this is kind of foreshadowing of Jesus' death. And then we know when Jesus was offered wine, when being crucified, it was mixed with myrrh. Yeah. We know that. Okay. So, frankincense. So, frankincense is... uh, was used in worship. It it is uh, it says it's very fragrant when it was burned, and therefore it was uh, it was burned as a pleasant offering to God. And therefore, you can see where frankincense would be a symbol of holiness and righteousness. I gotcha. So you've got these three gifts, each of which are not just "Hey Jesus, here's a nice thing you want." Um. It's, oh, they're bringing something that foreshadows what's going to go down. So I've heard some people, we made we may mention earlier about how, okay, the wise men show up and then they just jet off. They just leave. I don't think they understand what's really happening here. Right. Where it's like, oh, they just leave. They don't get what's happening here. They don't understand who this, they see him as a king. They don't understand him as a savior. Mm-hmm. I think these gifts make it really clear who they think this guy is. Because it's that foreshadowing stuff, right? right? Where it's, oh, yeah, this gold. And I mentioned the divinity thing where it's argued that idols in the Old Testament were always cast out of gold. But also the Ark of the Covenant was covered in gold, too. It, it was always tied to divinity. So, like, yeah, this this guy is God, God. That's a big statement. People have died because they said, hey, that guy is God. Jesus is God. It's it's not a – I go back to the C.S. Lewis thing where he's like, okay, if you take what Jesus says seriously, he's either a liar, insane, or he's, he's, he's uh, who he says he is. You don't get away with calling Jesus divine without really taking everything he says seriously. Right. Right. So that's a big thing. Like These wise men know what's up. They know who this guy is. So I just – I make this point and I bring it up to be like, Hey, this is the starting line of the whole gospel. You don't have to flip very far to get this baby King Davidic King Jesus teaching with authority at the sermon on the Mount. It's like two or three pages over. Right. And this same guy who is born, takes on human flesh. Kyle and I had a conversation a few weeks back about why the virgin birth matters. It matters that Jesus had a body like ours that he experienced temptation like we do to the extent that we do and then overcame it so that he could go to the cross innocent and he could die and take the crucifixion we deserve and be resurrected in power, proving that that particular check, the price of our sins had cleared and now he lives forever and we ain't, we ain't got to worry about anything right? because we know exactly when I pass away or he comes back, whichever comes first, I'm going to be with him. Mm-hmm in a body like his, which means I'm not going to die <laughs> twice. Right. Once. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. 
the, the likelihood is that I will probably die before Jesus comes back. But I still look expectantly and say, come Lord Jesus, right? But I know I'm not going to die because this little baby boy did everything necessary to give me that confidence, that hope. So I get, I struggle. And the whole kind of thesis of the podcast today is don't engage with Christmas superficially. Mm -hmm. It is a deeply Christian thing. You may be one of those people who hates Christmas where, did you hear Logan say this? One of our productionist guys said, uh, yeah, Santa is Satan. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You hear him say that? Yeah. It's just funny where it's like, oh, that the consumerism of Christmas means throw the entire thing out. But there's a purpose for it where it's meant to point us back to Jesus. It's meant for us to celebrate Jesus. It's the whole thing. The whole reason we give gifts, Juan Sapero told me about this, is because the gift giving comes because the wise men gave gifts to Jesus. And right. it's modeling, taking that and supposed to be a reminder of that. The whole thing is about Christ and not just cry. Christmas is about Christ, not at the bumper sticker level, <laughs> but at the deep meaning level where we take it and he changes our lives through it. Right. So, brother, any other thoughts about Christmas, about the wise men, anything even unrelated, because this is probably going to be our last Christmas themed podcast unless we do another Christmas one the week after Christmas. I don't know if we do a podcast next week. I haven't thought about that. Well, yeah, I don't know. But I, I think we should examine um, the relevance of Mary, did you know, after Christmas? Mary, did you know? Yeah. Once we get past Christmas. All right. You know, is it Survive? still a good question? It is still a good question. I'm pretty sure she knows at that point. Oh, okay. I'm with you. It took me a minute. <laughs> I got there. Yeah. The only other thing I have to say is Hakuna Matata. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Because of the hope we have in Christ. Exactly. Delightful. The theological Hakuna Matata, obviously. <laughs> okay. So funny you say that. I saw a guy who I was in college with. I love the guy. He's he's not listening to this. He's a moron. Uh, he got a tattoo on his back of like an old medieval, like illustrated page. And it was the lyrics to Hakuna Matata. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, in medieval page script. It's like, hell, it's dumb, man. <laughs> that wasn't smart. We don't engage with Christmas superficially. We don't take catchphrases. We have true, no worries, hope because of Christ. So with that, we adjourn for the day. Thank you so much for your time. Please join us here on this podcast feed um, every week on Mondays to get our sermon feed from the previous Sunday. And then next week, because it's the week of New Year's, who knows? But every other week of the year and possibly next week, you're going to get a podcast on Thursday morning for your drive to work. This has been Nick Shepard. And for, uh, for Sean Shirley, we are signing off. Have a blessed day.